network with people, find people doing better than you and surround yourself with them. People think that I fake set tile. I did the college thing because that's what I was told to do, right? Hey, that's Shannon Yotis. You might know her as that tile chick. That's a little snapshot of our conversation we had today. And before we continue with that snapshot, I want to ask you guys a favor. If you're driving or just listening with your headphones on, snap a picture of your car stereo or your phone and repost that and tag me. And let's help get the word out about the pod and spread the word about these incredible conversations. And now let's hear some more highlights from today's conversation with Shannon Yotis. As we wind down our month of women in construction here on the Contracting Handbook podcast. Have to take a look at my life and see what is the change that I need to make in order to feel more fulfilled. You wake up every day and you show like you do your best and you show up and good things start to happen. Is my work good enough? Am I doing this as good as the next person? You know, if you show up and you're like, I need to prove myself, you'll never prove yourself. To me, it's like if I'm buying tile that's $30 a square foot, I'm not hiring somebody $500 to put it in because likely they're buying a blade from Home Depot where it's like laying on the bottom of their truck and it's all jacked up. My first thing is like, I don't, I tell them right away. I don't work with GCs. You have your business to run and I have mine and I'm just not even going to waste your time. You're you're not going to get what you want by paying cheaper. They don't like that number. I just say, well, the only thing you can do is to reduce the scope of work. You should be offended that someone thinks that you should reduce what you're worth, you know, that you can't, you wouldn't be able to pay your bills that month if you took that job. You should be offended. Not going to work. Like, you know, you're just not my client. Sorry. And just move on and be gracious and just be happy that you can spend your time finding the right client. Please don't go into debt to go to school. Do not do it. If you need to wait and save up money, work full time a little bit. I fully support you going to college, but I want you to not have to deal with what I had to deal with. Do I do this because my mom told me to, or do I do this because this is what I want to do? That's the most fulfilling part of the social media aspect of it, is I talk to young people all the time and parents. Take every opportunity you can and to never stop learning. I think all of us have to understand that the more you put yourself out there positively, those people who aren't going anywhere, like they need to have an outlet to try to bring somebody else down to their level. But uh, the best thing I see is that I see a lot of companies spending money on advertising for women in the trades that are like trying to recruit and be more appealing to the younger generation. What do I do? Do I stay small, like a, you know, just me and my fiance? Do I stay there? Or do I scale to some other form, right? I would have to like build people, not just hire somebody that is like, oh yeah, I know how to set tile because I really need them to be aligned with like our values. Otherwise, I just see that failing. I've won, I've never done that. So I've never had to rely on people, you know, outside of myself. If you find somebody that you connect with, reach out, reach out, reach out, prove yourself by just doing the work. And that person will help you eventually. And it's commonly said that the old school ways need to go and we need to be more sensitive to the next generation. Why is it that in the trades, it's expected that you have to be like berated and belittled in order to learn a trade? Not putting the blame on them. Oh, they're the next generation is not motivated and passionate because it's not true. 
It's just not true. I work my butt off. Are you kidding me? I'm passionate. If you're doing something new you've never done before, there's a lot of information out there that you can learn. I think you're not going to walk on the job and someone's going to tell you every step of the way. You have to, if there's something you don't know, either you need to ask the question or you need to figure out how to find out the answer. Wake up, put in the work, and you'll see the results on every level of life. It doesn't matter. I feel like that just applies to everything. Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast, everyone. My next guest is an entrepreneur. She gives succinct tips on all things tile, answers questions and videos while driving, deflects detractors, gives sound business advice, puts her personal health in front of work, as far as I can tell. She's an advocate for blue-collar people. And like many of us in trades, she took a leap, leaving a career job to follow her hands in setting tile full-time. August of 2020, let me introduce Shannon Yotis, a.k.a. That Tile Chick. What's up? Thank you for having me. That was an awesome introduction. I've been on many podcasts, and that was probably the best. And I'm sorry to anybody who's listening if I've been on your podcast, but that was an awesome intro. (laughs) That's how we do here on the Contracting Handbook. And welcome. (laughs) It's great to have you here. Thank you. Okay, let's get into it here with... um, in August 2020, you quit a job and started setting tile full-time. You were an accountant before. What was the call to action? So pretty much growing up, I was always like I was always a hands-on type of person. It's just I did the college thing because that's what I was told to do, right? So um, I really, truly believe that I wouldn't have been successful or whatever unless I went to college and I got a job doing something sitting behind a desk. Um, so that's what I did. And then I was an accountant for almost 10 years. And when I finally, the last job that I had before I kind of made this whole shift, it was my dream job. Um, I worked for the Port Authority in New York, New, of New York, New Jersey, and I was in the construction division and I did auditing. So I audited all their big projects that were going on. And I remember wanting to do that forever. I want to work here. Um, I want to do this. Like I knew what I wanted to do. And when I finally got there, it just was not what I thought it was going to be for me. You know, it didn't fulfill me the way I thought it was going to. So then I kind of started like doing this whole soul searching thing. And I'm like, I have to take a look at my life and see what is the change that I need to make in order to feel more fulfilled. Um, And that's kind of where the big change came where I was like, I'm going to move to Texas. And me and my boyfriend did that at the time. We lived in New Jersey and we moved to Texas and we started um, a general contracting business. So fast forward through many years of trial and error before setting tile, um, the call to action for me for tile was during the time of having that business and running it and starting it and getting it off the ground our main pain point was tile installations, mainly showers and things like that, just all the failures that we were seeing. And I was like, you know, maybe we should just scale back 
you know, we've done all this educating and we've done all of this, you know, searching of what's the proper knowledge, what's the proper installation methods, what's, you know, what is it that we need to do in order to fix this problem? And I'm like, I think that we should just focus on that, me and you. And that's what we did in, 20, in August. Well, I started my page May-ish of 2020. And I started full-time setting tile with him August of 2020. So I completely left the world of accounting and jumped right into setting tile. And it was mainly because of all of the terrible work I was seeing around here. And I just felt like there was a really big need for some good installers who took pride in their work. So That's a great impetus. And I think that uh, anybody who's left their chosen career behind and that soul searching can really relate to that soul searching and not feeling fulfilled uh, yeah. because we, we thought we were going one way and then we ended up in the trades as opposed to people who go straight into the trades, which sometimes I envy because they were always there and it didn't take them like the scenic route to get there. So yeah. in, in your, in your, this is the big transition. It's a leap. Uh, was there, was there any self-doubt involved in that? Yes, there was a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of, you know, well, is this going to work? Um, you know, now we didn't have, I didn't have my job to fall back on. Like I went to school and I did all of this stuff just to have this job. And if you just break, pull apart all the layers, it's not so much the job that I held on to, but the security of knowing that every two weeks, like you're going to get a paycheck where now everything just falls completely on you. And if you don't get out of bed that day, you don't get paid. If you like don't feel your best and you just don't want to do it and you stay home, there's nobody motivating you to get there besides the fact that like everything relies on you now. And that was the biggest thing, doubting myself, like, is this going to work? How are we going to make this work? Um, that was the hardest, but you wake up every day and you show like you do your best and you show up and good things start to happen. So that's kind of how I got over that. But other self-doubts of just, I still deal with it every day, but they're just different, right? Like, are people going to accept me? Are they going to like what I put out? Is my work good enough? Am I doing this as good as the next person? You know, there's always that question in your mind. Um, but it's kind of like a skill you have to work on to get over it. And I think that it will never go away because I'll never think that I'm the best, never think that I'm better than somebody else. So I'll always have that. But I think it just mutates into different forms, if that makes sense. It does. And, and I think it's good to stay humble to some degree, right? And you're among the best, right? Is there... <laughs> well, I don't know. It, There's some amazing people out there. It would appear so. There are some amazing people. There are the, the savants, but, uh, you know, hard work and focus and focusing on quality is super important. And yeah, it does. Surprisingly, there's some things just like showing up and making sure water goes where it's supposed to yeah. can set you apart. Yeah, I think and, that there's there's some people who believe hard work beats talent. Um, I'm kind of in the middle there. I mean, I do agree to it. A certain extent so i may not be the most talented because there is some amazing talented tile setters out there mm -hmm. that i could probably never shake a stick to but um 
I know for a fact that I will outwork anybody if I can. Well, drive is definitely important too. Yeah. So what does it take to, to gain respect as a woman in trades? Um, it, it takes a very thick skin because people, no matter what you do, no matter if you show up and you're like, I need to prove myself, you'll never prove yourself. Um, because there's just people who will never see you as good enough, no matter what it is. And it's just the fact. It's something that everybody needs to accept. I don't think just women, but also anybody younger trying to get into the trades. There's like, there's this mentality amongst the older generations who just think that if you didn't come up when they came up, you know, excuse my language, but you ain't shit. And it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, like they're going to say stuff to you. Um, yeah, I guess the stuff that gets said to women is kind of just from my own experience, the stuff that gets said to me is just ridiculous, you know, and I've kind of come to the point where like I laugh when I see some of the things or read it or and I'm just like, what, like what drew you to that conclusion? What are you talking about? Um, but you have to grow a thick skin. Otherwise, like it will crush you. Um, I have been. I have literally been ridiculed for everything you could possibly imagine down to the point where like people think that I fake set tile or like they make comments that I fake, that I'm a fake, you know? And I'm just thinking to myself, could you imagine out of all the things in the entire world that I could have pretended to do, I chose to set tile as if like, I'm now, you know, some famous per person making millions of dollars just because I'm setting tile. Like tile isn't that amazing. Yeah, it's great, but it's not that great where somebody should fake it or will want to fake it. I could have pretended to be a model if I wanted. I could have pretended to be anything else, an airplane pilot. Like, why couldn't I pretend to do that? I chose Tile. I don't know. It's just bizarre, um, but having a thick skin and just showing up, doing the work and not complaining, there's 10,000 more people who are going to praise you and are going to love you versus the people who just... They just suck. They're always going to suck, no matter what. Female or male, they'll just suck. <laughs> That's how I look at it. There's a lot of apples to oranges in the tile business. From my perspective, it just seems like there's a lot of people who are, and I'm talking about the homeowners, like when they go out to hire a contractor, um, to, and I'm just talking about tile focus only because that's what I know best. And I think that, they don't, they don't know what good work is. They don't know what quality work is and they don't know what a quality installer looks like, sounds like, or acts like. Um, and I think there's not enough people out there representing the top end of our trade to these people. So they accept poor quality. They accept poor quality people. They accept poor quality installs. Um, I've seen homes fully renovated. They're like, yeah, we just got this renovated, you know, but there's this mold growing over here. Do you know what that's from? And it's like, you look at their kitchen backsplash and it looks like a shark made the cuts. You know, it looks like they used a shark to bite the tiles, you know, and it's just like, you paid for this? You know, I'm sorry, you paid for this? Because mm -hmm. I don't care if you pay $1,500, that's way too expensive for this work. You could have just done it yourself. And it probably would have looked better than this. And like you hired a quote unquote professional and it just makes everybody look so bad, I think, because they're like, oh, that's the best they could do, you know? And I accept that. And I'm like, no, no, 
absolutely not never. Um, so I don't know, like from my perspective, I just think that there's not enough tradespeople collectively out there representing their best self, you know, and mm. elevating all of us to the point where it's like, no, like tradespeople are intelligent. They spend time educating themselves on their trade. They want to be quality people as well as providing really good quality products and like at the end at the end result is a good experience for everybody like for you if it's building a home that person is going to experience that for a very long time and it's like if they have a good experience that's your brand if they have a bad experience that's your brand you know and it's like that falls on you and I think that a lot of treats people they just see themselves as they come in they don't have a voice they don't have a brand it's just like oh yeah well I'm just a plumber ah you know, I'm going to fix these pipes and I'm going to move on with my life and drink a beer in my garage. You know, it's like, they don't think about the fact that it's an experience for the client and that person is going to remember that for a very long time. So, cause you're working in their home, like one of their most valued assets, in my opinion, that most people buy one house every 30 years or they buy it once ever, you know, they start their family and they, then the, the house just goes to the, you know, the children. So could you imagine that to me, that's like, that's a big deal. And I think that we don't take that very serious on us in the trades. Like not a lot of people do. They just see I, it as a fleeting thing. I agree. And I, uh, Ella Star pointed, really emphasized that in our, my last talk uh, that it's a privilege to be in people's homes because mm -hmm. it's their personal space. It's their safe yeah. haven. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're, seeing this crappy work is it when homeowners are hiring tile installers on the on the side or is a is there a gc involved i'm just curious it's my own personal um sometimes there's gcs like there you know and i know i know this for okay so last summer we did work for a gc around here and we never worked for gcs because they want to pay they just don't pay enough so we came in because the homeowner wasn't happy with his tile guy. And it was very warranted. Um, they got the entire, the entire house was remodeled. It was re it was like to the, to the gills, you know, it, you walked in this house and it was like, you were walking to a, you know, a Vegas casino, mm. you know, it was just crazy. The stuff that this woman had done. And the tile floors, like for example, it was like one tile throughout the entire floor. And so the tile setter before, like they came around at like a door jam. And instead of making like a, a U-shaped cut, because that's just where the tile was laid, right? So instead of making a cut like this, because it was a 24 by 48 tile, I don't know if you could see this. I can. So like, it's, the the door. They this, just, this is the bar napkin conversation, people. Yeah, they just made There's a drawing. A, yeah, they just made yeah. a cut, you know, and made a grouch where like it's not supposed to be. Huh. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But like, you could have done that. Like, you could have made that work because the entire house was getting remodeled. You could have tiled this before the drywall was up on the walls. I've made these cuts so many times working in remodeling. You don't have the options to take the drywall off the walls. You know, if this is mm. a full gut property, get in before the drywall goes up and then cover the floors. I mean, come on, it's really not that hard to plan. And so I, I, you know, just little things like that. And then of course, like 
they had 24 by 48 on a wall. It's like an accent wall and there was no grout joints and tiles were like, if this was mm. where the, you know, it was like, it was a straight lay. So they were butter, but right up against each other. It was like the, the cross section was like all messed up. And like, you really couldn't get that right. Like you couldn't get that straight. You could buy like a laser off of Amazon for like 190 bucks, you know, but that just goes to show me that they're, doing work for extremely cheap and they just don't care about what they're putting out and i'm like this lady you could the, the materials she was putting in her home wasn't cheap and i'm like to me it's like if i'm buying tile that's 30 dollars a square foot i'm not hiring somebody 500 to put it in because likely they're buying a blade from home depot where it's like laying on the bottom of their truck and it's all jacked up and those cuts are going to be a disaster. Like you could just think about the quality of stuff that they have and what they're going to provide you. I mean, I don't know. Like, I forget the question because <laughs> I'm it just going <laughs> off about this guy. <laughs> it is amazing what people will accept in their homes. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it sometimes when I, many years ago, I, when I did everything myself, I was asked to quote a restaurant bathroom. And I gave him a number and you know, at the time I'm probably pretty inexpensive compared to the guys I hire now anyway. And they said, no, you're too high. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And I've been in that bathroom lippage, no grout, mm -hmm. just, and it's one of the nicer restaurants around here. Just absolutely incredible that, that they don't, that they don't care yep. now. So are you doing mostly work on your own then? You're, or or do you get more work with GCs? How's that go? Mostly on my own. If I, you know, I've, if a builder or GC reaches out to me and they, you know, I, my first thing is like, I don't, I tell them right away. I don't work with GCs. The reason is, is I charge this much money for this and this and this. And typically GCs don't want to pay that. I just say that straight up. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is what it is. You have your business to run and I have mine and I'm just not even going to waste your time. So that's usually how it goes. There's been times where like this job I was on last year, they were like, well, we really need somebody really good because the homeowner is going to like fire us if we don't find somebody better. So they paid us to do the rest of the work in the house. Um, but, you know, I'll still get the builder that's like, no, we want to hire you. We want to pay you to come out. We see what you do online and how you and then, you know, I come out last year, I went out to quote a really large job with like, they wanted marble throughout the home. I mean, the home was probably going to be worth like 4 million when it was done. Eight bathrooms with this designer tile. And we gave them the quote and we didn't hear anything back. And like that, I don't know, like that just annoys me. So I try to stay with just myself. I like to qualify my clients. I like to work directly for the homeowner, homeowners that are going to value what I give them. And I can work with them very closely on every aspect of the project. So I just haven't had very great experiences with GCs or builders. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just because we're, we're like a small, you know, business or if we're, our prices are too high or a collection of everything, but you know, they reach out, but it doesn't really ever seem to work out very well. <laughs> it is an interesting uh, um, uh, series of factors that, that brings it together between the GC and the, and 
and a tile expert. Um, for my jobs, it's required. It's a requirement. I can't go with anything less than the best. It, this market is, it's a wild, wild market. And I think that a lot of people, you know, I sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I was in like some, I wish I was somewhere else where it was like, you know, a smaller market or it wasn't so like overwhelmed with late, like cheap labor, mm. but at the same time, um, it's nice because there's a, there is people out there who like really do value. And I mean, there's a whole reason why I got into it in the first place, because just the quality that I was seeing people receive is just like, to me, it's just so bad. And it was the reason I got into it in the first place. So I don't know, maybe if I was in a different market, I probably wouldn't have even done this, you know, but it was because I was here and because of what I was seeing that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to jump in, but it's also a really big challenge. How do you get the right clients? How are you vetting them? So I will just basically chat with them, you know, just have a conversation. If somebody sends me, I get like, I have like a lot of messages on a lot of social platforms. I try to like funnel everybody to my email. If you send me an email, I know you're serious. So I will, my first thing is they'll send me an email saying something to the effect of, oh, well, you know, I have this bathroom I need, blah, blah, blah. My first thing is, okay, can you please send me photos of the project? What is your biggest wish list, right? Like what, if you can have everything done and you didn't have a budget, what would you have done? Do you have like inspiration in mind? Like, do you have a Pinterest board that you created? Because I want to see it. And then also um, I will ask them, what is your budget? Like, what is your cost expectation is really how I word it for this project. Because then that tells me a lot of things. Have they done their homework? Did they do any research at all? Um, do they have realistic expectations for the cost of what they want? So then immediately after that, then I can go back and I can provide them with some very preliminary numbers. I give them a little bit of educating. I tell them, you know, for what you want, this is the, this is what you're looking at realistically. Um, the materials alone will probably cost you X. Uh, and, you know, I just say like, based on my experience, if you're moving plumbing or you're installing fixtures, et cetera, et cetera, you know, those are big ticket items that are going to cost a lot of money. And, you know, the more trade you have to bring in, if you're moving walls around, if you're expanding the footprint of your shower, blah, 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 all of these things are going to be a lot of money. Um, so I always ask that and I give them that information right off the bat. And I say, if you, if these numbers, if this price range is good for you, I can come out and I will provide you a detailed estimate. We will go over everything from the layout to, from the layout and design of your shower to, you know, to what the cost is to the tape. And then, you know, we can pick a day for, you know, to schedule to start. If they don't like that number, I just say, well, the only thing you can do is to reduce the scope of work because what you're, what you're asking for is you're, you're not going to get what you want by ch paying cheaper. You're going to get something that resembles it, but you won't be happy. If you go to Walmart, and I use Walmart because everybody goes there, no matter who you are, um, go to Walmart and you know you have $10 in your pocket. That's it. That's all you have to spend. You're not going to go to Walmart and fill up your cart with $300 worth of stuff and then get to the register and say, 
well, I only have $10 and then expect Walmart to cover the rest. No, what Walmart's gonna tell you to do is you need to reduce the items in your basket so that you can afford it. The same thing, you know, you have to get rid of some of the items in your basket to afford what it is that you're wanting. Otherwise, you can't leave. <laughs> you can't you you can't buy from us. And that's my analogy. It's the same thing. So I don't know why it doesn't trans, you know, transfer over in the trades where you're asking for all these little things in your basket, but you want us to cover it. Mm -mm, it doesn't work. Yeah. The people don't understand what do they want a discount on? They're only going to get a discount on the quality. You can go to the dollar store, right? You're going to get less quality of stuff, but maybe you'll be able to fill up your basket with more stuff for $10. But, Amen. Absolutely. And I always say, no matter who you choose to hire, advice is always free. Here's some video links to some people like, I'll always link them to a couple people on YouTube that I really like that I know provide really good information. Like Sal de Blasi, he's on YouTube and he does great. Like he's been around for a while and he has a lot of years of experience with all different installation systems and things like that. So I learned a lot from Sal. So I post him out there all the time or I will give them links to the NTCA. I will give them links to the John Bridge form so they can go on there and they can read from actual installers of like, you know, what's good and what's not, whether or not that they read it, I don't know. But I just hope that they get a little bit of an insight of why, why what they're doing when they're looking for the cheapest bidder is not good, you know, and it's all up to them from there. But usually the people who really get it, and it's usually like one out of 10 people that I actually make it to their house. That's, that's a solid statistic right there yeah. it's yeah. as it, unscientific as it is i've i think i've surveyed enough people that that's it's between one and three maybe yeah probably for you it, it's more less than one or one but yes. now do you have like red flags on the phone like do you know right away it's a tire kicker as a tyler do you hear something and go oh yeah no this is never gonna happen yes 100 percent. like when i hear things like when I get it, if I, if I don't answer and I get a voicemail or I get on the phone with somebody and they say things like, I, I need, um, I need, um, 600 square feet of wood plank, wood look plank installed through this and this. I like, I just immediately know by the way that they're talking and the way that they are, that they're just like, we've gone out to these crazies, you know, we've gone out to these people's homes where. They're like, yeah, I need this backsplash done. And we go there and there's like piles. They want us to come take measurements and there's just like stuff, cats crawling on their countertops and like, you know, <laughs> garbage everywhere. And I'm like, you knew we were coming. How are we going to take measurements when you have like a zoo on your countertop? I, and that's like, they're not going to pay any more than like a hundred dollars for this backsplash. We may as well just give them some sticky paper and some fake tiles and let them do it themselves because they are... But we've done that. Like we've gone out to people who are like, oh, I need, I need my doors widened for, you know, the wheelchair or whatever. And it's like, we've done those jobs where like it was an $800 job and we probably still underbid it. And we did these weird, stupid things. And I think that every person 
not that every person needs to go through it, but like we were told these same things to pre-qualify people and to turn down jobs that you just know in your heart that are not going to be worth your time. Um, we were told that, but we didn't do it. We took every job that we could. We went out to every client who called us, no matter how crazy they sounded on the phone. And I think that it just takes, I think that through this line of communicating and this social media world, like with, with podcasts and everything that we have, it just shortens the time you're going to do that. I feel like everybody getting into the trades, they're going to do it, but it might just shorten the time where they're like, wow, this finally makes sense that this person told me not to take every job or not to go out to every client and not to lower my prices. But, you know, now it makes sense. Why? Because I got, you know, I got dragged through the mud on the last three jobs. And now I understand why I could have stayed home and did some online marketing and done other things for my business rather than be out here wasting my money and my time and breaking my back for a client who's like, you know, just, it's the $500 client. What's that mean? The $500 client that is going to pick apart everything. And then the client who pays you 50,000 is like, this is wonderful. And there's a reason for that. You can put your time and effort yeah. into a $50,000 job. You can't for a $500 job. So. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you get a sense of who those people are on the phone and, and you know, not to go. Um, I like what you said about the only thing you can do is reduce the scope when people have these unrealistic expectations too, because if you say it and leave that hanging in the air, it just draws the conversation down and you get to leave, you get to make your exit. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. Um, you... And don't think with emotion. I feel like that's a really good tip. I used to get so emotional and mm. angry at people. And it's like, you can't, you just cannot. This is business. And at the end of the day, it's like, you get emotional to the point where like, mm, am I turning down a job? Mm, oh my God, am I offending them? Like, you should be offended that someone thinks that you should reduce what you're worth, you know, that you can't, you wouldn't be able to pay your bills that month if you took that job. You should be offended. But realistically, we can't. We just have to say, not going to work. Like, you know, you're just not my client. Sorry. And just move on and be gracious and just be happy that you can spend your time finding the right client. It's just that's a big one because it's hard to do. Yeah. Remaining objective, uh, holding that higher ground and not taking things personally is huge in this business, it's, especially when you're starting out because there's insecurities and it's easy to get emotionally attached to something that does not make sense for for your time yeah you know go home and work on yourself go home and work yeah. on your job go home and work on marketing Correct. and let that let that go um and talk to me about now your work on actually i'm gonna go back one second because this is, it got me curious one of the things i always ask people if they want you know a bathroom remodel or a kitchen remodel uh, to kind of suss out tire kickers is does plumbing have to be moved because that mm -hmm. clearly broadens the scope to a level that they don't understand um, can you sub out with the way your licensing works are you a general with the does tile or are you a specialty contractor how does that so, work in texas you do not have to be licensed to be a gc here um, oh yeah wild west baby Yes, it's for sure the Wild West. Um, so because of that, 
yes, I can sub out. I don't, I will sub out like for plumbing and electrical and things like that. I will never like, I do, I know how to do certain things, but I, when you see me doing that on social media and I always say this, like, this is my home. I do stuff on my own home. Like I, I know enough about plumbing just to get by, but there's a lot of things I do not know. And I will not attempt to do that. I'm just too afraid to do. We just ripped out the shower and there's galvanized plumbing. And we thought it was a tub originally, but really it was original for a shower. So we had to move all the plumbing, dig out all the galvanized pipe. And we hired a plumber for that because I'm like, I don't even know how to hook up this tub here. How does a plumber, you know, you come to these points where you're like, how does a plumber even hook up a, a tub when you have to put the tub on top of the, like, no idea, no idea. So it was a whole new world. And the plumber came and every time like something new happens, we love watching me and my fiance, we love watching the process because that's the only way you really get to learn. Like, is this the right way? Is this being done correctly? You know, and not to say I'm going to do that on client's homes, but I just like to know what needs to be done. So I'm educated. Um, but back to the question. Uh, yeah, we can sub out. We are allowed to sub out whoever we want on whatever we want. You know, I can sub out a tile contractor under me if I want, I could sub out a painter of anybody. There is no restrictions. And I think that's also the downfall of Texas. But that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. It's a it's kind of a problem around here too. You do have to have a license, but you can kind of also do whatever you want because there's no there's no inspections and and it's there it can be total chaos it's kind of how i got started actually just correcting other people's crazy problems how do you help uplift the trades with what you're doing so my main so it was really my whole main purpose for starting my social media and sharing my journey through everything is just to uplift others to understand that the view that their parents or they might have of being in a a trade is not correct. You know, it's correct to a certain degree. There's some people, but I think that in every aspect of life, you have those kinds of people, but there's not enough of us, like I said before, out here representing like the quality people who are in the trades. A lot of us work from like behind closed doors and we don't share our life. We don't share what we've been able to accomplish for ourselves, like outside of just work, you know, the, like the life we've been able to create for ourselves through being in the trades. I know for a fact, and I will share this every day that I make three times, I'm going into four times the salary that I made as an accountant. And I spent 10 years doing that. So it's like, in my opinion, if I would have done this sooner, I wouldn't have had college debt because I have college debt and having that college debt made it 10 times harder for me to buy my first home. It was the biggest negative remark from the lenders when I was trying to buy my house. So I'm like, in all actuality, I don't degrade going to college. Like it's a great thing if you know what you're doing and you can do it. Like my sister, she's going to college for engineering. And my biggest thing for her was like, you need to work really hard. Like we don't come from a, you know, a family that can pay for a college. I'm like, please don't go into debt to go to school. Do not do it. If you need to wait 
and save up money, work full time a little bit. I fully support you going to college, but I want you to not have to deal with what I had to deal with. So, you know, either you go to school and you get straight A's and you get scholarships to pay for it, or you wait and you save up. So she worked her butt off and got straight A's and got scholarships and got grants from the, from the state and has no debt. So if I would have known sooner what I could have done and what my options were, then I wouldn't have rushed. So, you know, I like to share that so that people understand if you are not in the position to go to college because you can't afford it, but you really want to go, it doesn't mean your life is over. It just means that maybe you should start thinking about other things so you can save up some money and you don't have to put yourself in a hole because when you get out, the way it is, is like, you don't make a salary to offset that debt that you incurred and you, the interest alone, like, yeah, my student loans, they started out at 35,000, but the interest that started tacking on by the time I'm done paying it is probably going to be close to a hundred. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I just tried to share all of my, my mistakes I've made so that somebody else maybe won't do it. I try to share the life that I've been able to create in this short amount of time by just getting into a trade um, and how it's elevated my life and to elevate other people that same way that are interested, but maybe scared because they're like, well, I'm not going to be successful. So I just want to share all of the things so that I can help somebody make a better informed decision when they're like, do I do this because my mom told me to, or do I do this because this is what I want to do? Mm -hmm. And um, that's the most fulfilling part of the social media aspect of it is I talk to young people all the time and parents even that are like, oh, you know, like, thank you for sharing all that you do because my kid wants to go into this trade and that trade and I share them your page. And like, it really makes me feel inspired that they're going to be able to be successful one day. And it's like, well, yes, they will. They will be because there's a lot of money to be made in the trades, no matter where you are, whatever you're doing. So uh, that's that's my biggest thing. And that's why I started my page. I really admire your ability to communicate on there. Uh, it's inspiring. And um, that you're will you you'll show your learning. I, you try everything. I've seen that you're like, I, I want to learn this. I'm curious, which is yeah. really cool. Because a lot of people don't want to show their learning. They want to show when they're already good at something. They don't want yeah. to show. Uh, and you're, you are incredibly encouraging for people, um, teaching business um, and entrepreneurship. Um, and, and so what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneur? Um, to me, it means to take every opportunity you can and to never stop learning. So for me, like I have so many plans in my mind and I know that nothing has taught me more that I'm an entrepreneur than when I decided to do this because I'm not only a tile setter anymore. I am a business owner. You know, I am a company. I'm also a content creator on social media. It's a part of my business. Uh, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for all of the opportunities that I have found through doing this. And I think that being an entrepreneur just means like taking any opportunity that you possibly can, right? And it's like entrepreneurs, they never stop learning. They never stop growing. It's like, who really knows? You know, I have idea, I have plans to, 
create a line of clothing for women, like for pants and stuff, because I have a really hard time finding anything. And it's all for, it's just going to be for, you know, trades and things, but like, I would have never thought about making that if I didn't start working in the trade. I would have never thought of it. I would have never had any ideas about it. Never been a, you know, a seed in my brain. I would have just been going to school, going to work and just like typing on it every day and Monday. But I think that an entrepreneur is just somebody who never gives up, you know, and every, everybody's capable of being that and doing that. Um, but it takes a different level of skill, I think. Not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur because it's really super hard. Um, I feel like entrepreneurship is like very glorified in today's day and age, mm. but um, not everybody's cut out to do 25 different things. A lot of people are cut out to do one thing and be really good at that. And that's great too. You're still kind of an entrepreneur. It's just, you're not going to take up every opportunity that comes to your mind. You're going to be really good at setting tile and you're going to run the best tile business in your city. That's okay. You're still an amazing entrepreneur. You're not going to be a tile setter and then go off to be something else, a content creator or start a clothing line. You know, you're not going to be that, but there's a place for everybody. And I think that, you know, I think that everybody can be an entrepreneur from every aspect of their life. It just means being the best and doing your best. Yeah. And you kind of need to transcend what other people's expectations are and what the societal norms are and be able to sit back and observe and not stress out all the time. Just kind of pick a direction. Sometimes you just yeah. don't need some space and, and to, to create, to let that creative process start in your head. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with, how do you deal with um, the detractors online? You know, I, I there, you, you must have, um, aside from all the praise and great things, there's detractors. Yeah. Um, I try not to deal with them, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, but like to be realistic, no matter what, I'm not going to come on here and say that they don't bother me because we're humans and everybody on the planet, no matter who you are, no matter how good you are, uh, a negative comment can really like resonate with you. You can have a hundred great comments and like thousands of people who like your post or whatever, but that one person who makes like a rude comment for some reason, it's just like, it triggers you in a different way. But, uh, what I've realized that the more that it has happened, the less it affects me. So, and I think, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing coming from like a psychology standpoint but like I'm at the point where from two years ago when somebody made a negative comment where like I would truly get upset and then you know the worse it got it really upset me like I have gotten to points where like I wanted to delete all my social media like I was upset Mm. or I was crying because of like people just being so cruel to me that now it's like I just read it like I'll laugh or like I'll troll them back. And like, I just, it truly doesn't like affect me the way that it used to. And I, I don't know if it's just because I've gotten jaded about it, but I think anybody 
who goes out there and puts himself out there in any aspect, online, in person, you're starting a new business, there's always going to be that detractor. You know, there's always going to be somebody somewhere. It could be in your own family. It could be a close friend. It could be anybody. But you have to understand that that negativity, that negative whatever that they say or do, it's coming from their own insecurity. And it's been said thousands and thousands of times before, but it is very true because anybody who is accomplishing anything doesn't go out and put that negativity into the world. Like I don't have time to be negative towards somebody else because I'm too busy working on putting positivity out for myself and giving positivity to others who need it. So like, I don't really have the time to make negative comments on people. There's things I see online all the time. I don't agree with, you know, but I'm not going to leave my comment or leave a post and whatever, especially if I see somebody trying to do something good for themselves, like what does anybody get out of that? And I think that there's literally people who just create these fake profiles online just to do this. It's like, they're miserable in their life and that's what they choose to do. And like, I think all of us have to understand that the more you put yourself out there positively, those people who aren't going anywhere, like they need to have an outlet to try to bring somebody else down to their level. But it's never going to happen, you know? So it's like, you kind of have to pity these people to a degree, like, man, like this is what you choose to do out of all the things. I wonder why your life just is so bad. I mean, I, you just have to think of it like that. And that's how I, that's how I view it. And once I started viewing it like that, I'm like, gosh, that's kind of pathetic. Check. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what do you see? What, what do you see is the best thing happening in the construction industry today? Uh, the best thing I see is that I see a lot of companies spending money on advertising for women in the trades and um, younger generations in the trades. I'm seeing it from just my little bubble in the tile and flooring stone industry. Um, there's a couple organization, organizations being formed that are like trying to recruit and be more appealing to the younger generation, which I think is amazing because it's something that hasn't been done for, I don't even know how long. I haven't been in this long enough to know, but I know for a fact that it hasn't been done. And I see companies like, I don't know if you've heard of them, but Upstrive, they're complete, like I work with them and they are a online tutoring company for people in the trades. Like, so they'll connect you with like, mentors and they'll connect you with people who have been in the trade for 20 plus years to help you pass your licensing exams for like plumbers and general contractors and things like that. And I just think that's super cool. It's all online. So who is that going to appeal to? It's going to appeal to my generation and the, and the later. Um, so I love seeing things like that. And they are the first of, you know, probably many to come out in the next you know, decade or so. And then there's also a company called um, Matriarchy Build, which I'm going to be a part of, and it's all for women in the trades. And basically they're doing this online thing where like, say if you are a homeowner and you wanna hire a contractor, you can book a slot with me for like 30 minutes to give you a consult on 
how to hire a contractor that is qualified and is not going to rip you off, what to look for, um, or if they wanted to do like their own backsplash or something, I can walk them through the steps or the products that they should be using to help them do the job. And I think that this kind of stuff, technology, along with the trades is going to improve a lot of things because information and information on what's good and what's not can move a lot faster. And the more the younger people get involved, the faster that will move because we are the people who get on and share and post and, you know, we're like all, all over social media. So I think that getting the younger generation, by getting the younger generation involved, it will improve overall it's going to take time but it's the big question right now it's it's what we're all trying to figure out what's your biggest business struggle um my my biggest business struggle is what do i do do i stay small like a you know just me and my fiance do i stay there or do i scale to some other form right like do i I would love to do, you know, semi-custom home building. I just don't know how to do that. Like, I don't know how to get into that. Um, I would love to do that though, because I feel like I can provide quality and I can provide, like, I feel like my brand would just do so well there, but I just don't know how to get into that. Or do I open like a showroom and an installation house? Like my biggest business hurdle is like, what's next? And I don't know. I have no idea, you know, like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur and I'll take a lot of opportunities, but as far as for that tile chick, what is the plan? And right now I'm kind of like, I don't know, you know, I've even considered, do I start, do I buy a trailer, you know, and me and my fiance go around because I get questions all the time. Oh, I'm in Florida. I really want you to do my bathroom. So do I start doing traveling tile installs? It'd be really cool to do that and share my experience. What do I do? Do I go visit other installers across the United States and do like a job with them? I don't know. You know, that's my biggest question in business, where I should go and what I should do. And I'm not really sure. <laughs> Interesting because okay. from that, no, from that inter- entrepreneurial perspective, we're always looking for the next thing. You're, you you can't really sit still, can you? There's no. something, you got to be creating something new. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, I've been, th- I've definitely been through that and I'm at, a, I'm at another crossroads now. Uh, I think, I think staying where you are, I mean, doing, branching out and doing a lot, doing remote work, you know, like, getting all over the place, I think it'd be very challenging because you don't yeah. have all your providers and, uh, and you got to have multiple jobs going, but the, but the house, but building houses is, I don't know what the competitive market is down there. Uh, I don't, is, is there a, is there a massive building boom going on where you are? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, I'm telling you, especially where I am right now, um, I'm in League City and um, we have uh, we have this thing called like, so if you look at the map for Houston, right, we have like the circles that go around and to get from one end to Houston to the other could take you like an hour and 30 minutes. It's just the, it, it's just, Houston is massive, but we have what's called the um, Grand Parkway. 
and it was been being built in segments. So the last and final segment is going to be starting to get built and it's coming from like, it's going to literally run right through and end where I am in League City. So we have a lot of like land down here where I am. I'm 30 minutes south of Houston and we have like ridiculous amounts of land, just land. And I, I already know what's going to happen is that when this Grand Parkway gets finished, now everybody who works in downtown Houston has an access right, right here, right, right here. So why would you not move out of living right in downtown Houston in your like two bedroom condo, that's $3 million to coming here. You can like buy a couple acres of property and build a home and be 30 minutes from work. Mm. So, and even before, even before this grand parkway, like there's, they're building like five minutes from my house, they're building a uh, great wolf lodge and they're putting like a, a boardwalk in because we have like this little water outlet over here that's going to be in walking distance from my house. And so there's like crazy amounts of just, there's cranes everywhere around me between the roads being improved, huh. like my little downtown area, they're like investing. Uh, I like to look at like what the, what the city is doing and like read their projects and their planning and their budgets and stuff. So they're investing like over, uh, I think it's like something to the effect of almost a billion dollars in my, like for my main, you know, the downtown main street area where they have all like the road facing businesses and stuff. So there's a lot of money being invested right now down here. So the, the property values are going to go up. More people are going to be moving here. We have amazing schools um, and it's already a pretty big city. I have a, we're like at a hundred thousand people, the population and it's growing. So. Well, it sounds like there's a bright future for the company then lots of work coming. Lots yeah. of building coming. There's a lot of building. A lot and then, of and then, yeah, I, I, back to directing where your business is going. You know, you have such an awesome online presence. It seems like a showroom isn't necessary for someone like you. I don't know. I'm not the master marketer. Yeah. It, it seems like you're going to be busy. Yeah. I and mean, then, and then deciding on what, what getting bigger or expanding means, whether it's just being more efficient with your, what you've got or hiring people or. That's what I, that's another fear of mine. It's like, I would have to, I would have to like build people, not just hire somebody that is like, oh yeah, I know how to set tile. It's like, I would probably want to hire people who don't know anything, but they're more interested in just learning and learning mm -hmm. because it's from me and my fiance not like they need a job, you know? Um, and I don't know how hard that would be to find those kinds of people. Cause I really need them to be aligned with like our values. Otherwise I just see that failing because I'll just, I, I just won't be able to deal with people who are like, I don't know, <laughs> like not good. I don't know. Well, I I'm know you have zero tolerance for that. Yeah. It's, it's hard being the entrepreneur, the, the boss and, and not having people that have the same drive. I, uh, I, it was a failure on my part as a boss at the beginning to, to not, to kind of see everybody as 
they're uh, me, but I'm the one who has the vested interest and yeah. they don't want that responsibility. Not every, like you said, not everybody's an entrepreneur. And I know that you guys, uh, you know, did a deep dive into learning how and into, into the tile business. You, you sought out the experts. You didn't just keep, you didn't learn by, by mistake. You just were like, no, we, this is, this needs to happen because of what's going on around us. Correct. And not everybody's got that motivation. Yeah. That's, and that's something we always have to keep in mind as, as business owners is, is the people that are, we're going to bring in aren't us. And how do we instill in them, uh, the, some level of passion for making it. Exactly. It's like, how do you, I feel like the social media, we can attract that certain kind of people, you know, those people, um, through sharing who we are and like connecting with them on that level. But at the same time, I don't know. I'm, it's kind of a little bit scary for me, uh, because then I've won, I've never done that. So I've never had to rely on people, you know, outside of myself. And when we did have to do that, when it was just Chris and he was doing the, he was a GC, the problems were just, there were so many problems and we were hiring people as subs. So basically they were, they weren't employees of ours. So you expect these people to have some level of proficiency and know-how of what they're doing. And it was kind of like, that didn't exist. So we can't even expect business owners to be held to some sort of standard. It's like, man, if we hire an employee who is like starting from zero, like, first of all, we need to make sure that we have enough money to train them. We have enough time to train them and we have enough people, you know, working so that if we are spending time training, then we're still making money. So it's like, it's all a circle and it's a big fear. That's a fear of mine. You know, like I'm afraid of that. So I don't know if like, and we've talked about if we did, if we did something like that, and we did like an installation house where it was a showroom and we like hired people to install. We talked about how I feel like that would be our biggest point of issues. And we would definitely need to do a deep dive of how to manage and educate people and bring them up to a level where they are motivated. Um, to actually some degree to do really well. Otherwise, like, you know, our whole business would fail. And then it would be us trying to run a, a showroom installation house and then also setting tile. Mm -hmm. And that's scary. And it takes time to adjust to these ideas as you move <clears throat> towards them, right? Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'll be interested to see how what you guys do with that. Um, so... Shannon, who's your, who's your greatest mentor? My greatest mentor is, I'm going to have to say my fiance, uh, because not, you know, I have mentors that are in the industry who have definitely made a positive impact on my life and my business. You know, there's Paul with Cabin and Row, and now he owns Built with Foam. There's Sal de Blasi. He's, you know, out in Boston. They've made a lot of positive impacts, but it's different because he's the one who 
started me on the path of where I am. Like he said, like he was the one who would pull up the YouTube videos or pull up the, the websites and we'd be sitting while we were eating dinner. And I was like, we're eating dinner. Like, I don't want to learn about tile right now, you know, but he forced us to do it. And without that, I probably wouldn't have half of the education that I have. And I wouldn't have really been able to ever set tile because he kind of like motivated me to do it. And then he motivated me to start my page, to share my projects, to share what I was doing. And that kind of, then because of that little seed, you know, I was able to grow it into now what it is today. And now it's like, we've become a team, but really without his like motivation, then I don't know, I probably would have never been here truly. And it's because of that, that I was able to just take it and run with it. And he still motivates me all the time. When I like, when I'm lacking, he helps. So he's still, he's still there today, like pushing me and like, you know, motivating me to do my best. And what matters to you most? What's your philosophy? I guess those are two different things, but. Yeah, what matters to me most is just put in the work. Um, There's nothing more to it. That matters to me more than anything. Wake up, put in the work, and you'll see the results on every level of life. It doesn't matter. I feel like that just applies to everything. Personal, relationships, work, your goals in life, they don't happen unless you make them happen. So. And I was going to ask you what your advice to the next generation is, but I I think that that is, that's my, that's my advice. And there's information. And the other thing is network, network with people, find people doing better than you and surround yourself with them. Don't let that little negative um, thing in your mind that like, just because you either are a broke college student or you don't know anything, you don't know your ass from your elbow, doesn't mean that these people who have succeeded in life won't help you or they won't guide you maybe they don't have time to like take your hand and show you what you're supposed to do step by step but if you connect with them ask them questions um just constantly show up and like show that you're interested put that interest out there i have people who this one i'll just give an example this one girl that i talk to online all the time she just started out by following me she was redoing her bathroom. She asked me a couple of questions and I didn't know who she was at first. Like I had no idea. I talked to a lot of people online, but she consistently showed up to ask questions and then proved herself through what she was doing and what she was asking by taking actual steps of action. And when I saw that happening, I decided I'm going to help her more. So now you know, she went out on her own. She has many years in the construction industry of experience, but she works like a full-time job and she wanted to start setting tile full-time. So now she started her business. She's only doing it part-time, but now I help her with the estimating process. I'm trying, I'm teaching her step-by-step how to qualify her clients. Like, you know, she lost a couple jobs and she gets bummed about it and she reaches out to me and she's like, is this normal? I'm like, yes, it's 100% normal. What's not normal is taking the job and not making any money. You know, your end goal is to what? Like 
quit your job so you can do this full time. You're not going to be able to do it full time if you're giving discounts. It's not going to happen. So Fact. Because, exactly. So like because she kept showing up and kept asking questions and kept like she was just relentless. It wasn't like she reached out to me one time and we became besties and I wanted to help her with everything. It was like she wanted she wanted to surround herself with me. So she made a point to do that. And I think that everybody's starting out. If you find somebody that you connect with, reach out, reach out, reach out, prove yourself by just doing the work. And that person will help you eventually. They will find that like, you can't expect to get that person's full attention on the first try when you've never actually done anything and you've never taken their advice. If they give you a small piece of advice, take it and then consider continue to show up and be consistent about it. Uh, so, you know, that's my biggest point of advice. If you want something from somebody who is doing better than you network with them and keep showing up. And fantastic. also, the work. yeah, fantastic. And something that just popped into my head that's been coming up and I don't really know how to address it yet. Uh, you don't have employees yet. I've had employees. Everybody's talking about the next generation. Uh, we've been talking a lot around the show and, and it's commonly said that the old school ways need to go and we need to be more sensitive to the next generation. And someone commented to me in a direct message that, you know, what does that mean? Like, I, I can't, I can't just, you know, sometimes you have to be stern with people. Sometimes you have to tell them you're doing it wrong and you get frustrated and, you know, he had one guy said he had a kid walk off the site just because he raised his voice a little bit. Um, there's got to be some middle ground here. I don't think the way I was brought into trades was cool at all. I, I stopped working for people pretty quick because I didn't like the environment that I was in. And I just did my own thing. Um, and when you said, uh, you know, you're asking from your elbow a minute ago. I was like, man, my, my, one of my first bosses would say that jokingly, but anyway, um, what do you <laughs> think about that? I don't really know how to phrase it. Maybe it's not being just sensitive, more sensitive, but what is that transition that needs to happen and how we deal with people in order to bring people in? I don't under, I will truly never understand the mentality and the trades and I could probably talk a whole hour and a half on this, but I will never understand this mentality of these people in the trades, the older generation saying that like, that's your management style, right? You look at any successful company because that's what we are. Just because we carry a hammer or a drill or we build stuff doesn't make us any different. We're a business with a bottom line. We need to make money. We're selling a product, a service, whatever, like why is it that in the trades it's expected that you have to be like berated and belittled in order to learn a trade like because the guys knew like you're going to treat them like crap that's not anywhere in the world is that a positive learning environment for anybody <clears throat> it's not motivating it's not they're not learning anything i've been in bad environments where the boss was crap and it didn't motivate me to learn anything. It didn't motivate me to want to be a part of the team. It didn't motivate me to want to work any harder. All it did was make me want to leave. And it made me miserable to go to work every day. 
I don't understand why that I don't, I don't get what the missing connection is. Cause to me, it's common sense. You just don't treat people that way because you can go to McDonald's and get paid work less and get treated better. So why would they want to come work for you work their butt off and then also get treated like dog crap? You know, it's like, what, what, what common sense link is missing there? I don't know. So to me, it's a failure on the people who are like trying to be managers and bosses that they haven't done the self, they haven't educated themselves how to be bosses or how to be managers. Or that's why I'm afraid to have employees because I'm afraid I'm going to fail the employee. I'm going to fail them. I'm not going to be able to bring them up to the point where they need to be, to be motivated and passionate enough about their job to do it well. I'm not saying, I'm not putting the blame on them. Oh, they're the next generation is not motivated and passionate because it's not true. It's just not true. They've been saying it since I, since I was born. Ah, the next generation is, I work my butt off. Are you kidding me? I'm passionate and I work, you know, I, I work so much. I, I work more than my, my dad works, you know, like it's just, to me, it's like that outward pointing blame. Like I'm sick of hearing it. I'm just so sick of hearing that. You're just, you're pointing blame to somebody else because you haven't done the work enough to know how to bring up somebody, to know how to educate an employee. That's your job. That's not the employee's job. It's yours. And if you're failing, that's your problem. So I think, <laughs> I think that that's a big problem. Now, what about the argument that, uh, that if, if you're not learning what you should be from your boss, you should get some books and learn some of the stuff on your own. So you, so you improve yourself. So I also, I also do believe that if you're doing something new, you've never done before, there's a lot of information out there that you can learn. I think almost every job, it doesn't matter what job it is, right? I have applied for when I went into my career as an accountant, there's always points on there, like to be a self-starter because to some degree, somebody can't hold your hand through every level of training. You have to kind of understand that you're not going to walk on the job and someone's going to tell you every step of the way. You have to, if there's something you don't know, either you need to ask the question or you need to figure out how to find out the answer because there's we, we live in a world where information moves so fast and there's so much information out there. So as a new employee somewhere, if you're like, wow, I really don't know how to do this, or I'm really bad at this, you need to practice. You need to practice like there, especially in the trades, there's the different tools you need to use, right? So you need to have certain levels of proficiency with certain tools in order to get better. If you completely just suck at using a tool or you suck at doing something, practice. It's common sense across, that's common sense as well, you know? To be really great, you need to put in the work. Um, and that just comes full circle from everybody. But I think that if you are working in a hostile work environment or where someone is just treating you like crap, you're not going to want to practice because you're never going to feel valued by that employer. So why put in the extra work? You know, in my opinion, it's like you're coming in already to a toxic place 
you're not going to be in the mindset to want to be like, wow, I really want to impress this employer. I really want to do a really good job. They're really great. Like, look how successful they are. Look at how great of people they are. I want to, I want to impress them. I think that it puts a negative view on it. And it's like, nobody's going to want to do any of that extra work. Um, so I think that that point of being an employer and being a good employee, it's like, it's a partnership. But I think that that has, that has to be set, that expectation has to be set from the beginning where like, this is what I expect of you. This is what I'm going to give you, but you need to meet me halfway and do certain things. Um, yeah, it takes a certain person to do it on the employee side. But um, I think that that ultimately comes down to the employer of just like you're vetting clients, you need to vet people that you bring into your business. But that comes down to you being educated enough to know what character traits you're looking for in an employee to hire the right one, right? So I don't know, I don't know what the true answer is, but just from my own like mentality and like certain experiences I had, I think there it's is, a big deal. Yeah, there is a balance there. Uh, but I, from the employer's perspective and the employees, mm -hmm. you do have to take some on to yourself. And as an employer, I will say this. When I was young, one time, I remember I really impressed my boss. I, he turned me loose in the garage. He was working inside. He came out and he was like, wow, I can't believe you did all this by yourself. And years later, I reflected on that when I had an employee um, and, and I just turned them loose. It was a time when there was a little bit of leeway in the, in the schedule. I wasn't going to worry if stuff was done wrong. The employee had showed me a lot of motivation and I just thought, okay, I'm just going to assign this and see what happens. And I think creating those opportunities from the employer's perspective, if you think someone's worth it to keep around, you have to give them new opportunities to learn and grow or yeah. they'll get bored and leave. So it does go, it definitely goes both ways. Mm -hmm. And they have to be able to fail. Like without somebody who you can't like, you can't say, oh no, like I can't give this to you because you can't do it by yourself. Like they have to be able to fail and then be able to fix their mistake. Because when you, if you are the boss, that's what you do. You know, we all do it. There's no way that you're going to do everything 100% right all the time without like making a bad decision or like you just choose the wrong choice for some reason or like whatever. Um, the employee needs to do the, be able to do the same thing to get to that next level, like break past what their barriers are and be like, man, yeah, I really messed up there, but I'm going to fix it. And this is how I'm going to fix it. They'll never grow from like being able to learn and like, what is it like problem solving? They have to have that and have the, the confidence to be able to say, I can confidently say, I'm going to choose this decision and I'm going to go with it because I know through experience and my failures that this is, this is how it has to be. Um, because ultimately every job is different and you're constantly making like problem solving on everything. And I think that that's a really big skill to learn. Are you ready for the speed round? Yeah. What's your favorite tool? My favorite tool, 
I'm going to say, because it's my favorite and my worst tool, is going to be the grinder. And Chris is going to laugh at me when he mm. hears this because I hate the grinder. But it's also, I'm going to say it's my favorite because it's one of the tools that I need to continuously use and get better at. I'm still getting better at it. I'm still afraid of it. So that's why. What is the most useful tool? Also the grinder. <laughs> <laughs> also the grinder. Cause it's like, so it's so versatile, you know, the, um, you could use it for polishing. Um, you can use it for cutting large tile, small tile, intricate cuts, etc. in tile setting. And you can really waste a piece of tile with one too. Oh yeah. 100%. <laughs> You can also cut off a finger. Not, not that I've ever done that, but uh, what is the where have you been all my life tool? The snap cutter. It's a it's great because if you have like a tile that is ceramic or smaller, you could just like there's no plugging, there's no mess, snap, score, you're done. And like you can like really move. So I love that. Um they're not as like clunky. You could do it right next to your job, essentially. So yeah, those are amazing tools. Best joke. I don't have any. I do not have a joke. Where is the, or what's the best job site snack? The best job site snack is definitely going to be Swedish fish or Mike and Ike. What's the best, what's the best thing to eat in Houston? Mexican food, tacos, and it's always like the crappiest rundown place or a truck. Yeah. The greasier Taco the more. Tacos is the number one answer. Yeah. What's the best job site jams? Juicy J. <laughs> Juicy J. I'm writing that down. Gonna check out some Juicy J after this interview. Hey Shannon, do you think people should give this show a rating? Do I think they should? Yes. Yeah, like a one star or five star three. as many stars as there is available what is it five yeah. all right guys you Give heard it five star well shannon i appreciate you being here so much today uh we managed to get it all in in the time allotted and for everybody out there listening you can check out shannon's work and advice and everything at at that tile chick on instagram and also on youtube mm -hmm. also on facebook also pretty much also on LinkedIn. Well, thanks again for being here. It's been awesome talking with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. It's nice meeting you and chatting with you too. Hey, right now, I want to give a shout out to Naya Doncheva, co-owner and top finisher at Faux and Finish out of LA. She's kind of a magician, or is she an illusionist? Naya, thanks for your honest opinion. Keep it real, my friend. This next shout out is to the next generation. And I wonder, are you guys listening to this podcast? Do I sound old? Do you relate to this content? So if you are listening, what do you think about what you're hearing from my guests on how we deal with the situation? Some of my guests are your generation, but they've started their own businesses. They're comfortable with what they're doing and have offered up ideas. And meanwhile, the older generation has some ideas, but are mostly throwing their hands in the air, wondering, I don't know. The conversation can't really continue without your input. So if you will, contact me. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. Email me. My contact information is all on the pod site. 
You can find me on Hammer. Comment on one of the shows where you listened and I posted about it. But help us out with this conversation. And now for some unsolicited advice. You know, I went to college like Shannon, racked up debt. I don't really regret it, but I'd be in a much different place today if I had made the decision sooner. Even in my late 20s, I had not quite made up my mind. But if you're on the fence about trades versus school, and you know in your heart what works best for you, then do it. The decisions you make today are more impactful than you think. The next 20 years are going to go by in a blink. Enjoy them. Take care of yourself. Put yourself in front while you take care of others. You got this. All right. That's all I got. Later.